This is Professor Forever, and I am the Professor Forever, and this is my first podcast. Woohoo! Well, actually, it's not my first. I did have a podcast, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago or so called Space Diaper. Some of you might remember that. I don't know. I think this one's going to have a little bit different tone than that one. I am a professor who misses being in the classroom, who misses having a physical office space. So I want to talk about some ideas and some issues that are on my mind now that I'm not in the classroom anymore, and hopefully get some participants to also throw out their ideas and have a dialogue with me through the website, Professor Forever. Who knows? Maybe we'll have you on as a guest someday. Right now, it's just me and a glass of water and you three out there listening. Thank you so much for being there. Today, I want to talk about failure. So unless you are a baby and maybe even just a baby that was just born a few hours ago, you know what failure is, right? It's uh, not uh, meeting a standard, not meeting expectations of someone or something. So unless you're that baby, you know what failure is. And we've all failed, and we've all failed in big ways and in small ways. Um, I failed yesterday in a kind of a big way, in recording this podcast. And now I'm having to do it again. And I think I did apply some of the lessons that I'm going to talk about or some of the strategies that I'm going to talk about in dealing with failure. As a professor, I had to deal with failure too much, more than I ever would have wanted to. I think using the example of how I created a tiered assignment would be a great entry into this talk about failure. So a tiered assignment, a writing assignment, was a prompt that had multiple options. For those of you who do not come from the halls of academe, or it's been a long time since you've been there, a prompt is something that a teacher gives out for writing, usually, um, that tries to generate some ideas, gives some guidelines, some guidance on how to write about a particular text or texts. Um, So I would, on my tiered assignment, I would put one prompt that I thought was a good challenge for an average person in my class, Um, one that would challenge them a little bit, but not too much if they had read the material, come to class, and participated in discussions, etc. But at times, I was also able to incorporate an accelerated prompt. This was another prompt that was more challenging than my regular prompt. It called for more comprehension. It called for more critical thinking, um, a more depth of thought. And I thought that it would challenge even the brightest minds in my class. So 
I hand out this assignment and I encourage everyone to try the accelerated prompt. And I say, you may fail at this, but I want to tell you that it's worth the risk because if you fail at the accelerated prompt, we will talk about it and then I will give you a chance to redo the paper. Now, I had already set up my classroom as a safe space for people. I told them that they could express their thoughts, that they should not be afraid to speak up in class, to uh, get, say an answer, whatever they were thinking, whether it was wrong or right. I wanted them to practice speaking and get in a dialogue with peers and with a professor. So they already knew that they had a safe space to begin with. And now I was telling them that they could fail. I was encouraging them to take the risk and fail because they knew that they had a solution for the failure. So if they did fail at the task of writing the accelerated prompt, then they would come into my office. I would tell them why I thought that the paper failed and certainly not them fail and not their writing as a whole failed, but in this particular paper, it failed to meet the requirements of what was being asked of it. When I first started using this tiered prompt, uh, I started the process of bringing people in to talk to me about their failed paper. And I would say, do you understand how you failed? And they would nod their head and then they would go off and they would rewrite it again and it would fail again. What I learned from that was you need to have students and people repeat something that they've just learned back to you to make sure that they understand what it is that they did wrong. I guess I'll use that word. What they did that didn't meet the standard and how to fix it. Once I learned how to get them to say that, and then I could correct that, then they would do the paper again and oftentimes would succeed. So wouldn't it be a great workplace where a boss could say to a new employee, I know that you're gonna to have to do some practical things very soon where I can't really allow you to fail. But before we start that process, I think I'm going to give you a few tasks that won't really matter so much if you fail. Just to see your thinking process and how you deal with failure and what we can do about it as a solution. So I feel like this tiered prompt idea could be applied to workplaces or parents with their kids or couples in couples therapy or a service manager and a client. Wouldn't it be a great world if we allowed people at least a little bit of space to fail? I encourage you to try something new and fail just in your house and not something that's going to kill you. Just a little task. Try it. Then repeat back to yourself how you think you failed, and then try it again.
Now, there were times when I had to talk to a student who was failing the class. That is a whole different ballgame. Um, what I tried to do then was explain to them something that you can only really learn from time on earth. Experience, right? And that is, I know you feel really awful. I, I, I feel for you. But it's not the end of the world. You will get through it. And then down the line, you'll look back and you'll say, oh, well, I failed that class. But you know what? I took another class. You know what? I took the semester off. You know what? I took this other path. And now I see why it was that I chose this path. So that's a whole different thing. Um, of course, the idea of turning failure into success is a hackneyed one, right? We've all heard these stories. But I think it's worth bringing up just for a moment. If I want to tell somebody about turning failure into success, I think the first person that comes to my mind is Bob Euchre, Mr. Baseball, right? Catcher for the Milwaukee Brewers in the 60s, I think. Not a very good catcher. Got traded. He himself, I think, had said that he was the worst catcher in Major League Baseball history. Of course he was joking, although somebody has to be the worst one. I don't know. But what did he do when he realized that catching was not his bag? He became a broadcaster, right? So his failure, his failure to be the type of major leaguer that he wanted to be, and he was in major league, by the way, um, led him to a career in broadcasting. And he still is a broadcaster for the Milwaukee Brewers. And so that's a 50-year plus side solution for something that he failed at. It's also interesting to point out that great art, that failure is crucial in adding texture to art and to life. Um, the Odyssey, for example, right? If Odysseus had gone straight home after being released from Calypso's island, instead of, in, instead of having that decade of adventures, what kind of story would that be, right? Um, it's the friction of failure sometimes that adds the sweetness of the reward at the end. And that's what I think happens in conflict in literature. I love TV. Sometimes when success occurs on a TV show, it actually creates a failure of the show as a whole. For example, Frasier. If you're younger and listening to me, I'm sure you could plug in a TV show of your own that fits this mold. In Frasier, one of the subplots was Frasier's brother, Niles, having 
romantic feelings for their housekeeper, Daphne. And so the arc of that conflict, right, that failure of his to express his feelings, just to go out on that limb, to take the risk, to take the accelerated prompt, that drove the show. Once Niles and Daphne got together, I'm afraid the sitcom Frasier jumped the shark, in my opinion. That success created a failure in its own right. There are some times when you fail that you can assign the failure to an object. That sometimes works to make people feel better about failure. Right now, I'm thinking about the Challenger explosion. Horrific incident in our history. Um, the space shuttle Challenger explosion, which happened just 35 years ago. Uh, and there were people that argued about who was to blame for the failure of that successful um, space shuttle mission. As If you don't know, it exploded. Um, the engineers at Morton Thiokol, um, some felt they were at, to blame. Some felt that people at NASA were to blame. But one thing you can say without debate, and that is the O-rings. The O-ring failed which is what caused the explosion. So sometimes it works to use an object like that. Um, you know, maybe you could say, this class wasn't the class for me, that's why I failed. This job wasn't the job for me, and that's why I failed. And that can really make people feel better. Of course, you know, there's uh, singing a song I make up songs every day, so I don't just make up songs when I fail, but if you do fail, if you do make up a song, it can make you feel a lot better. I just made up a song today. Give me a bulldog with macrocephaly, I will make sure he knows he's the boss of me. <laughs> I hope that made you laugh. Sure made me laugh and run out of breath. Ha! Um, you can make up a word. Instead of saying I failed, you could say I muzzy pugged on this test. I know it seems ridiculous, but in times of trouble, making up words sometimes seems the exact thing you should do to take your mind off of the failure, to take the failure out of context. Talking about laughing, there's this wonderful scene in Dogma, a great film by Kevin Smith. Alanis Morissette plays God. When she comes down to Earth, and this is a scene that you can find anywhere on YouTube, um, while this big crisis of faith is happening, and I think that's what the scene is called, um, she is in the background trying to do handstands, and she falls awkwardly. But she stands up, she brushes herself off, she walks over and somebody asks her a really deep question. I don't want to give anything away about the movie. 
But the way that God answers is she taps the person on the nose and goes, boop. I feel like it's a wonderful example. Here's God, played fabulously by Alanis Morissette. Here's God in a human form, maybe for the first time ever, wanting to see what it feels like to stretch human legs, to try to do something acrobatic. And she fails. And still, her outlook is funny. She's funny. She's having fun. It's a good way to look at it. You know, I failed at college the first time I went. I tell my students this too, this story. I, I was not prepared to go away to school. I had too much emotional baggage. I had too much on my plate. I should not have gone away from home. And I failed. And people around me in my family thought I failed. I didn't meet their expectation. But it didn't kill me. I still graduated, even though I didn't graduate with my scholarship. I didn't graduate at the top of the dean's list. I still graduated, and I went on and had a fine, fun life until I was ready to go back. So I got another shot at it. I guess I failed, and kind of like an optional prompt, I got another shot at it, and I knew this time I was ready. I understood what life had taught me in between that made me ready for my second shot, and I didn't fail. I became a professor. So there was one thing that really kept me in a literary state of mind during those years before I went back to grad school and got my credentials to teach at the university. And that was Emily Dickinson. I loved her so much. She was like the only thing I could focus on in my classes when I did go to class, when I went to college the first time. And I would carry little books of her poems around and I would memorize them. And she ended up leading me down paths I never could have imagined. Now, there's another story of failure, Emily Dickinson. Some scholars even would say that she's a failure. She failed at publishing in her life, at getting her poetry known. Of course, she's one of the most revered American poets to have ever lived now. But she might have thought that she failed. How would she have ever known? the posthumous fame that she would have achieved, although some would say she did know. I'd like to talk about Emily next week, and I got some ideas about how I'd like to couch the talk about her around other ideas that are more modern and maybe some that are provocative, I don't know. But I thank you, the three of you out there, for listening to my talk about failure. I hope maybe you got a chuckle or maybe learned something. I sure did already. How fabulous is that? So 
Go out and muzzy pug something. It'll make you feel better. Don't forget to comment on the blog on ProfessorForever.com. I thank you kindly, and we'll see you next week. Suffer forever